of bad jokes. Not bad jokes, just bad jokes. So I have to. It's the only Sunday a year I get to make this joke. Happy New Year. Right? Come on, participate. All right, I'm leaving. I'm out. Happy New Year. Congratulations for what? You have 100% attendance in the year 2019. <laughs> Woo! It's funny to nobody except preachers. I get a kick out of it every single time. If you come next week, you'll have 100% again. How about that? You're ahead of the curve. Happy New Year, my friends. I'm so glad to be with you. But guess what? Guess what? The pressure's on. Because it's a new year. It's time, from what I understand, it's time for the new you. So we got to get on it, don't we? Apparently, apparently, the calendar turned and it's time for a new year and a new you. We've got to think about what we want to make better in our lives and what we want to change because apparently 36 years of behavioral patterns in my life can change overnight if it's the right day of the year. Praise the Lord. Ah, that's hard, isn't it? I think about that. I think about that. There's something uh, full of potential about a new year. But there's a lot of pressure in that, too. And I think there are, yes, things in our lives that we want, that we hope for and dream and hope that we can achieve and want to change, like not eating an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's in one sitting. That's mine. But sometimes we just don't have the space for one more thing. I want to get better with my time. The calendar's wide open. But that's because I don't write things down like wake up, go to work, take the kids to school, go to the doctor, come home from work, do the dishes, do the laundry, do the laundry, do the laundry, do the laundry, cut the grass. Sometimes all we need is a little breathing room, a little space in our lives. And if we can create that space, if we can find that space, then maybe we'll have some headway in achieving the things that we feel called to do in our lives. And so today, our sermon series throughout the month, will begin today, is not about why you should get better. It's about how you can find the space in your life to live fully without bursting at the seams. Breathing room. And so today we're going to talk about time. Time. And I would like to direct us to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. I'll invite you to hear the word of the Lord. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And hide us all behind your cross so that all that is spoken and heard today would be transformed by your spirit for your glory. Amen. Amen. Time. I have always admired people who seem to get it all done. Uh, It's amazing to me that somebody with the same 24 hours that I've got can do the things that they do in that period of time. It's amazing to me. It doesn't come natural to me. Watching Netflix comes natural to me. 
And so I, I spent some time years and years ago, I was so enthralled with it that I decided that I was going to become an expert on productivity. It was quite a thing to do during the mid-2000s. And so I got every book. Uh, that's a preacher's dilemma. I have more books than I'll ever read. It's like I just got to have them. I've read, I've read these. I studied them. Every method, David Allen and, and management of energy and all these different things, the bullet journal. I bought more planners, calendars, and notebooks than one could possibly fill up in any given five-year period. Because I was just exploring and looking. I tried every app on the phone and every website and every calendar and everything, and I got it. I became a self-proclaimed productivity expert. I had it going on. The 24 hours of my day were a blank canvas for me to achieve and check things off my list. Do something, write it down, so I could check it off my list. I was a machine. I woke up early. I had so much motivation. I got up early and I got straight to it. I had things I had to do and I did them. I stayed up late so that I could get more done. I even snuck time in on weekends. And there were times when I said, sorry, we can't take a vacation. I've got to get some stuff done. I was a machine. Till I crashed and burned. I was so good at checking things off my list. I was amazing at it. I was starting to lose me in the middle of the whole thing. I was getting worn out. In the middle of trying to get everything done, I somehow forgot that I needed some time to take care of me, and I came to that realization, so I said, all right, here's my to-do list. I'm going to stamp in some me time. And I tried to find the best place that I could to find it. And it just turned out I didn't have any energy. At the end of the day, I'd come home from work. I'd come home late from work. And I would sit in front of the TV. Or I would pop open the phone. Or I'd surf random things on the Internet. You know how it goes. It's like a, it's like a clown car. You click on a link and then you're like, ooh, ooh. And you have two hours. Pass. That was my me time. And it just turned out it didn't do anything for me. But it kept me up late. I was starting to feel boxed in. I was rejecting invitations from friends to, hey, come on over here and eat lunch with me or hang out with me. I'm sorry, I'm just too busy, too busy. If we didn't have a two-day notice, arbitrary two-day, but some set of notice in the family, I said, sorry, I can't join you to go out and eat tonight. You know, I didn't know it was coming. I'm planned too tightly. I didn't have space. And one day I was sitting at my desk. It was early in the morning. And I had my day meticulously planned out. I was going to soldier on, because apparently people can do this thing. I was going to soldier on, and the phone rang. And it was an unexpected emergency. And it was going to require my time and my energy. And the kicker was my emotional availability to the person. I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I got through that phone call okay, and I hung up the phone. I just broke down. I've got nothing left. There's no space. I can't possibly handle one more thing. Worn out, sleeping three to four hours a night in the name of getting things done was catching up with me. My family getting the absolute worst of me if they got, honestly, folks, any at all. I was stretched so thin you could see through me. For you Lord of the Rings fans, I was like butter spread over too much bread. All it took 
One more thing. One more thing. I knew how to master a minute. No ability to experience a moment. I had a bad relationship with time. I had a bad relationship with time. Generally, I think a lot of people have a complicated relationship with time. If you were to have to set your relationship status on Facebook, it would be it's complicated. Uh, there's a couple of extremes we, I see people kind of gravitate to, and I do myself. Either we are over-focused on what we have to do, or we're too idle and we let opportunities pass us by. If we focus too much on the stuff we have to do and getting things done, a couple things can happen that are pretty difficult for us. We can end up neglecting our own personal basic needs. We can get so tightly scheduled that anything can tip the cart and we won't be able to get it done. We can end up taking people for granted because they'll be there while I finish one more thing, one more thing, and one more thing. The thing about relationships and time with people that you love and care about is you can't really put them on a to-do list and check it off. So if you're not careful, you can end up neglecting the relationships in your life. You can focus so much on maximizing a minute and getting things done, achieving a goal and moving forward that you can miss the moment. You can miss a moment. Now, on the other end of that, if we are too idle, we can end up spending all of our time on things that do very little for us or for the world around us. Spend a lot of time uh, surfing through the screens and sitting on the couch and just chilling out. And that will sap you of things. It's amazing. You think that uh, idle time would be replenishing, but it's not always. For example, we spent the last two weeks at my house. We called our house the hole. The hole. There are five people in the house. Over the course of two weeks, four of them were sick. I plan on getting sick this afternoon after church. Statistics are high. It was just a hole, like there was nobody doing anything, anything. And so uh, the boys and I, while we were taking care of Amanda earlier, a couple week ago, um, we were just waiting, you know, get mama something, get mama something, and just sitting there all day long. Sitting on the beanbags, right, guys? Sitting on the beanbags. At the end of the day, uh, one of them, I can't remember which, said, Dad, I'm so t- more tired today than when I go to school. Isn't that funny how idle saps you? It does. At any rate, if we're too idle, we can end up uh, letting responsibilities pile up so high that but when the time we look at it, we say, that, that is too overwhelming and I am helpless to do anything about it. And honestly, we travel back and forth between a given day, a week, a month, a year, between uh, too over-focused on time management, too idle. All the while, time ticks away. And so I wonder, do you see yourself in any of, just tried to describe a a gamut of things that we have trouble with with time. Do you see yourself in any of that? You probably have your own stories. How is your relationship with time? How is your relationship with time? You see, a resolution won't fix it. The way that we, the cycles of our time, the habits that we build, they've taken some time to build up. You need a little bit more than just a, hey, I think I'm going to fix it. You need to Altogether, we need to address our relationship with time. Now, that sounds strange, but the Bible actually invites us to develop a healthy relationship with time. 
All right? So the Bible, when you read in the New Testament and you run across the word time, like we did here in Ephesians, you're going to run across, it's going to look like time in English, but you, the word time in the ancient Greek language that's used in the New Testament is actually one of two words. And it's not just synonyms that could be, mean the same thing. It's actually two different words that have two very different meanings. And that's important. So the two words that the Greek language uses for time, one, chronos, chronos. The second, maybe you're familiar with, kairos, kairos. You may be familiar with the differentiations of time that the ancient Greeks in the New Testament use, chronos and kairos. Chronos, you probably recognize that, the word uh, chronological. Uh, If you have your great-grandpa's watch, it might have been his chronograph. Chronicle, chronic, that has to do with time. The word chronos, chronos time has to do with the simple passing of time, the sequential passing of time. Tick, 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 like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Chronos isn't concerned with the quality of time. Chronos is concerned with the passing of time, the measurement of time. And when we view all of the time that we have in our lives simply as chronos time, what happens is we end up getting swept along by the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar's pages. We experience the passing of time, but we don't necessarily experience the quality of time. Tick, tick, tick. Every moment the same, passing onward. It's interesting in the way that the ancient Greeks depicted Kronos, he was a, uh, there was a god named Kronos in the pantheon of Greek mythology, um, and he was a devourer. Think about what time does as it ticks along. Think about a building abandoned. What happens? Deteriorates. Kronos, tick, tick, tick. Now, Kairos, on the other hand, you might be familiar with that word. There's a, a prison ministry called Kairos that builds on this idea of time. Uh, members of our church participate in that. Kairos refers to the quality of time and the opportunity that each minute has to become a significant moment. Kairos isn't the passing of time. It's the relishing of a moment in time. Think of it this way. Uh, How many times have you found yourself a little bored? You have no idea what you're doing. You're just kind of wandering around the house. You find your way into the kitchen. Uh, You're not even really thinking about it, but your hand opens the pantry. It opens the fridge. Close the fridge, open the fridge, close the fridge, pull out a bag of chips, open it, eat half the bag, put it down. Did you taste it? Have no idea. Were you hungry? Probably not. Why'd you do it? I was bored. Put it down, go back about your business. Never happened to you? Somebody says, hey, who ate that bag of chips? And you, with crumbs on your mouth, say, I actually don't know. Do you remember two days later that you have a bag of chips randomly? No. Was it memorable to you? No. Did it mean anything to you? No. You did it. Just a sequential passing of time. Not a quality experience, just a sequential passing experience. Now, on the other hand, how many of you have had an extraordinary meal that you remember even years later? Can you remember a meal like that? You can just, if you close your eyes and think about it, you can relive it. You can, you can taste it. You can see it. You can smell it. You, you remember the environment, the emotional quality of the experience. You remember the people you were with. You might not remember what you said, but you know gosh, that was just a perfect moment, a perfect meal, a great experience. That 
is the difference between Kronos time and Kairos time. That extraordinary meal might have been 35, 40 minutes. Might have taken just that long. But it stands out as a moment. A moment. Significant. Filled. That's the difference between quantity and quality. A minute and a moment. So the reason I tell you all this is because the Bible invites us to develop a relationship with kairos time. To develop a relationship with that quality of time. You see, the reason being is that God created the moments that we live. God created time. If you go back and look, time is not something that God has been bound by. God creates time. And the reason is not just so that we can watch things deteriorate over the passing of time. We... God created time so that there was an opportunity for us to experience union with God within that time. That we would have not just minutes, but opportune moments to be fully alive in God's presence. And so each moment, each minute is the opportunity, a moment for us to be fully alive in God. Not just to fill it up with things that we have to do, but to be fully alive in relationship with God. Ephesians 5, 15, 16 says this. It says, redeem the time because these days are evil. Redeem the time now. After all that, specifically, Ephesians 5, 16 says, redeem the kairos. Redeem the quality of time. Redeem the opportunity for good and union with God. Redeem the rich moment out of the minute. The same way that Jesus Christ redeemed us from sin and death, Jesus Christ in his work redeemed or bought back the whole created order from decay and sin and death. And that means that time has returned to its opportune moment for us to experience God within a moment. So trade in, redeem, buy back your minutes so they can become moments. Buy back your minutes so they can become moments. Trade in those minutes for moments that you can live in communion with God, live fully, live with space and availability and goodness and service. That's what the Bible invites us to. Redeem the time. Redeem the kairos. Transform your passing of minutes into moments that are opportune for rich and full living with God. Redeem the time. What if, instead of maximizing our minutes, what if we were more available for the moments? What if, instead of trying to pack stuff into a minute or trying to avoid everything for a minute, what if we saw each minute as the opportunity for a moment? Because a moment is the home for the most important things in our life. A moment is the home for the things of God, for blessing, for goodness, for relationship, for love, for acts of service, for choices that move the world towards good. What if you had more space for that? That would be an amazing thing. Redeem the time. So, how is it possible... Is it possible for us to make a transition in the way that we relate to time so that we can have this more Kairos-related experience of quality, opportune moments 
with God and for God and for the fullness of life. It's absolutely possible. And I want to share with you just a couple of things that, will, that you can actually begin doing to help move that process forward in your life. And I'm actually going to challenge you to do these three things. I hope that you will. First thing is this. I'm going to ask you to, for seven days, keep a log of how you spend your time. Oh, that sounds so boring, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound boring. Why did I even say that? Because it's important. I feel kind of like when uh, we did math back in school and the teacher said, show your work. And I'm like, why? I know the answer. But showing your work teaches you something. So do that. For seven days, keep a pretty detailed log of how you spend your time. Don't let anything slip out. Just note it down. And what you'll end up having in front of you is raw data of actual time spent and what you actually did. Because we don't always have an accurate understanding of how we're spending our time. For example, when, and studies show that more people think they work more than they do. I work 14 hours, and when they log their time, they're like, man, I worked for six of those. What was I doing all day? Oh, I slept for three hours. Oh, I slept for six. Hey, how about that? You need the raw data in front of you. Let me tell you just a, a, an example or two of how that can matter to you. I'll take you back to the story I was telling you earlier. So when I sat down to log my time through gritted teeth, uh, the question that I had is, why am I so hurried and overwhelmed, and why do I have no time to spend with my family? What is the, what is the problem? And it turned out like this. The end of a day, up until sometimes 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I was capturing me time by sitting in front of a screen. I was Netflix and chilling like a pro. And then I go to bed, wake up at 6 or 7, just in time, just in time to get up before I had to either get the kids off to school or get to work. I had no time for transition, and I started my day in a rush, and that rush is exhausting, and I was tired, and I didn't have time to fulfill the things I needed to do. And when I got home, I crashed, and the same cycle started over again. I realized that the problem of my today started last night. And so what do I need to do about that? I also noticed that um, there's this little problem. Uh, there's an app for it now. I calculated it all by hand before. Uh, you might have it on your iPhone. This is, you might want to delete it like I did. It's horrible. Um, it's called Screen Time. You ever seen this? Anybody seen Screen Time on your iPhone? All right, it's in the settings menu. Um, it will show you how, oh, I have it turned off yet yeah, because I was mad at it. Um, it will show you how much time you've spent on your phone in a given 24-hour period, and it logs it for time over months. So I was uh, looking at my, my cousin was visiting us a couple months ago, and she had her son with us, and she, was, she told me I could tell you this story. Um, I'll tell you her story because mine is too embarrassing, so this is about Casey. Casey, I showed her that app, and she opened it up, and she said, I spent 20 hour, 19 hours on my iPhone last week. And she said, oh, my gosh, that's a part-time job. There you go. At any rate, what logging your time will do is put that raw data in front of you. Get it out there. And then the second thing I'm going to invite you to do is ask this question. What do I want to buy back? What do I want to buy back? 
what is the most important in my life? Where can I build the space in my life to experience the moments, to have the emotional availability, the energy, and the time to experience moments? What do I want to buy back? I started by buying back sleep. And from there, things started, started buying back some more things. But what about you? There are things that we spend our time on that you, when you look at them, you say, this is so far out of line with the way that I want to be living my life. It's so far out of line with the experiences that I seek to be having with God. And I, don't, and I can make space here and here. And you can start buying back your time. Redeem it so that it doesn't pass along with the passing of time, but you make yourself more available for a moment. Third thing I'd invite you to do is give yourself a little bit of grace. If you choose, and I hope you do, to look at how you can redeem the time, give yourself a little bit of grace because the way you're spending your time has built over years. Just patterns, unconscious patterns. You might not even realize you're doing it. It will take more than a day to look at that. And you're going to have some successes and some setbacks. Just be gentle with yourself. Be as gentle with yourself as you would with, say, your child or grandchild trying to do the same thing so that you can step by step make that happen. Redeem the time. Sometimes I wonder what our life could be like if we could redeem a little more time. I wonder how much deeper our relationships could be when we have made more space to truly experience one another. Sometimes I wonder if we might actually be more peaceful in our relationships because we we have enough space so that when we get tense and angry, there's space to let that settle instead of immediately react and fight. And I wonder what it would be like if each one in this room had just one more Kairos moment with God each day. How much richer would our witness for Christ be as a whole community? It would be amazing. So we don't always need a resolution. Sometimes we really need to think about our patterns and here examine our relationship with time. We're invited. In fact, it's more of a strong suggestion to redeem the time. Make your minutes into moments. Allow the space to experience the time that you spend, that it might be filled with God and with blessing and with others, and that you might see the opportunities to step out into the world on God's behalf and make the most of the moments that God has given you. Don't let time tick, tick, tick away. Redeem it that it might become a moment. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for all the time that you do give us. And we ask, God, that as we seek uh, to examine our relationship with time, that you would give us the courage to take a hard look at how we live. That you would give us the grace to see ways that we can make some important changes in easy ways. I encourage, uh, uh, thank you, God, and give us encouragement to have conversations with our family and friends and loved ones about how we experience our times together, that we might have a healthier relationship with time, that we might have more moments than mere minutes, that we might experience you and your goodness and full life more and more. Help us, O oh God, to experience more Kairos time with you and with one another. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.